Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will, um, with minimal damage that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands. And um, and apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done. Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and they come on. Where's Toby? Well, I'm practicing, you know, social distancing and... I have a few tips for everybody, you know, you know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote, stink, stank, stunk. It's Saturday suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Eleven oh two Saturday morning Saturday suckage, the Wake and Bake Club calling everything to order because you're really gonna need it. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you. We will shepherd you through these three perilous hours, starting with the idea. Mark, the Cubs, the Cubs are doing the Cubs are doing they're doing their rebuild championship plan with X's. So they think that X's are the the X's from Texas, because that's where Jake's Jake's associated. That's where he's from. The X's with Texas, and that's your road back to a championship with a guy projected to have an ERA over five. Hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Steve. Yeah, now the plan is clear because I was struggling to figure out and know what the Cubs were thinking because I thought I knew what the Cubs were doing when they traded you Darvish, and to a lesser degree, I thought I kind of knew what they were doing when they let Kyle Schwarber dangle and then ultimately go, and now I guess we know what's going Oh, Oh, and then it got even more confusing when Jacques Peterson came in, but now that Jake Arrieta is back, it is clear. So what does that mean? Who's next? Who, who would be the next in that genre, that type of guy to return to the Cubs that's not already gone. It's ruined for Lester. He's stuck in Washington. Rit, or, uh, Schwarber is gone. He's stuck wherever. Where, wait, wait, I forgot where Schwarber is. <laughs> oh, he's in Washington, He's in too. Washington, too. He is, <laughs> that's, right. that's, that's, yeah. that's actually, with David Martinez managing, you pretty much got, got Cubs championship East there. Yeah, who's out there? Who's still out well, there? Well, Char- the Charlie Root. Cubs? You can bring back Charlie Root and have him talk about giving out whether Babe Ruth called his shot or not. So when you think about it, Arietta, Greg Maddox, and Kerry Wood—that's a really good um, exes. That's a really good rebound boyfriend kind of rotation to start the rotation. That's what they're doing. They're bringing back yeah. guys who, yeah, it's just how that all work out. 
Who's who's ever who have they picked up that worked out? Who have they who who what are your former players they pick up they pick they picked up and worked out? Okay, so they even if you use a barometer, well it didn't totally suck. Don't you expect to see I don't know, Kerry Woods kid's gonna run out and hug Jake Arietta when he comes off the mound sometime. I, I just don't have high hopes for Jake Arietta. His stay in if you look back at what he did in Philadelphia, when the Cubs decided they were going to pay you Darvish more total than they wanted to offer Jake Arrieta for whatever the thing was, that's what they did. Jake Arrieta started off in May and made everybody look, everybody in Chicago management look silly when he was he had a 0.90 ERA in five May starts in 2018. He would finish his time in Philadelphia with a 4.36 ERA last year, 5.09. He was inconsistent. He was injured. And and that's what the Cubs are bringing back with a guy who used to throw, what, 98? Is that what he was throwing, 98 to 100, when he pitched that epic game against Pittsburgh, that epic play, um, wild card game? I mean, there, I know there were other games that he threw that were epic, but that one... That is, to me, that defines Jake Arrieta. That game, that night, gotta have it, and it was the the full. He was the maestro. It was everything Jake Arrieta was about at that time, and what what the Cubs needed. He was that guy, and 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 that's not the one you're getting. You're getting a guy who is now the hardest thrower in a rotation when he's down to 93. I don't know what what am I missing here? Is there is there some some major part of pitching and production? What did you think when you saw this move? What do you think now, having given it some time? All right, so a quick Jake, just just as how how good he was back in the day. I love telling this story. I talked to Craig Council one time, the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers, when I was doing pre and post. I wandered over to the the dugout, and this is when Jake Arrieta was, you know, full on Jake Arrieta. And I just asked him the general question, "What do you think about Jake Arrieta?" And he said, "When he has everything going, the hard slider, the curve, the five pitches, the fastball, everything," he says, "It could be straight up unfair. Like it's just his stuff is so good right now." And who knows how long it'll last. It's so good right now, it could be unfair because it's impossible to hit. I took that information back to Jake Arrieta. I sat with him in the in the Cubs dugout all alone, just Jake and I. I said, hey, Craig Council over there just said that it's unfair. Your pitches are so good. And Arrieta looked at me and goes, well, he's right. <laughs> he's right. <laughs> it is. It can be unfair. So I, I do like to talk about, because oh, we're all going to reminisce a little bit. And so that's the first thing that comes to mind. For me, there was a little bit of emotion involved. This, and I'm sure there was for lots of Cubs fans because he was so great. What this move actually is right now is not of consequence, to be honest with you. I've been saying all along that, and, and I was serious at the beginning of the show when I said I don't know what direction the Cubs were going in. I thought I knew when they got rid of Darvish and Schwarber, but then I kind of didn't know when they brought in Jack Peterson. And then I said the next move of consequence will tell you in which direction the Cubs are going. This is not a move of consequence, as in this is not a guy at this point in his career, Jake Arrieta, unless there's another big turnaround to his career, that is not a top three starter at this point in his career. He is just like right now, like Zach Davies and Alec Mills and to a much lesser degree, Edward Alzali, he's a four or a five and maybe competing for those spots unless there is some gear in him or some health about him that we are not aware of. So this is this is a guy that's going to compete for a starting spot in the Cubs rotation for a relatively cheap price. And a lot of people think that, what, $6 million or whatever it is that he's getting this year, that's a lot. No, it's not. So I, it, it is not a move of consequence. It's fun to think of it that way and think about a rebound, but he, he slots his four or five right now. Yeah, the excess is with benefits, which is what the Cubs are looking for. I guess one of the benefits would be maybe Marquee won't have such sucky. You'll have something to advertise on Marquee, and maybe that's that's a draw. I don't know. All that, Like you talked about, the feel-good, the hugs, the Jake Arrieta hugs, there's that. Those stories remain. Uh, the the maybe I – mean, I know the one thing that – there was written in the last 24 hours, 12 hours about this is the, uh, 
the guy that just exudes confidence, no matter whether he's good or bad, whether he's hurt or healthy. He is always ex- he's always exuded confidence. I'm it. No one's going to set limits on me. No nothing or whatever. The, despite his being inconsistent and injured for much of the last three seasons. The other hope is that the Cubs turned him around once. He became that guy, that Cy Young Award winner, that ace, that best pitcher in baseball under the Cubs before. And maybe Tommy Hadovy has got all kinds of hand... Maybe he's got answers. It seems more like a handful of magic beans. I just This X's with benefits thing doesn't work for me because I don't think the Cubs have done it particularly well. And I think you might be wrong, Mark. This might be a move of consequence. It's $6 million. That's consequential to to a Tom Ricketts budget that really, that was tightened, that didn't, didn't want to pay for people, that may be looking to dump Chris Bryant because they don't want to pay him whatever he's worth, maybe dump Wilson Contreras because they don't want to pay him actual dollars. So this might be a move of consequence. Did you ever think of that, Mark? Well, if this is a move of consequence, and I will go back to saying that the Cubs won't even compete in their own division. And because if they don't add somebody better than what the blueprint is of Jake Arrieta right now, they're not. And and the answer that everybody gives to me is, well, the division sucks. Yeah. And the Cubs are going to suck if they don't have somebody other than, that you can depend on. Like, maybe there's something left in I hope there's something left in Jake Arrieta. I like Jake Arrieta. I, I, I loved covering him. I like him personally. But Kyle Hendricks right now is the only guy who, when he goes out to the mound, you know the good that you're going to get. The rest of the staff, you have no idea. And and Arietta is number one with a bullet at this point. I mean, he, he goes ahead of Alec Mills and... Zach Davies, in terms of not knowing what you're going to get. So if if this is it, if there is nobody else of consequence, then the Cubs are not going to be good this year. And no. I don't know if anybody, I don't even know if that, Matt, like, it's a weird year for the Cubs this year. This is the first time in a long time where it's impossible. Well, I don't say it's impossible because I'm kind of doing it right now. But it's difficult for fans to get a hold on what this team is. And I'm curious as to what fans think. Do they do they care going into this year? Do they do they do they like what's going on with the Cubs in terms of whatever it is, a transitional stage because the old core just wasn't getting them back to the promised land? It's a strange spot. Even if the Cubs hadn't been in the the so-called golden era of Cubs baseball, even if that hadn't been going on, it's always odd when you're heading into a year. Even at this point, it's February. I get it, but not really knowing what your team is or not knowing how to predict it other than saying your division sucks. And that, that just, that's, that's not good when that's the best thing you have on your side is that the national league central is down. Yeah, I don't, I I know the national league central, the Cubs were, have gone from last year's division winner to waving at their rivals. Once Arenado showed up in St. Louis, every team has pitching questions. And by the way, our textures, I didn't even even give out the text number, 312-644-6767. You can get to the text line. You can text us there. That's also the number to call. Not that anyone calls the station, but if there is a breaking phone call, our producer, Stifler, Sean William Anderson, will, will let us know. The text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. So we have two suggestions about who would fill out the the X's with benefits rotation. One was Carlos Sambrano <laughs> recently. <laughs> and the other one, I love this, Travis Wood. Oh yeah. Plus you yeah. can put him in left field, you can throw him at first if you want, you know. You and he, he, and he, Jake can, he can pinch, pinch run. Hit. Yeah, he yeah, and Jake can pinch, pinch hit. hit. Yeah. Absolutely. This is the kind of all-purpose type of player that the Cubs need. They don't have Ben Zobrist anymore. So I think that this is the kind of guy that uh, you need to have on your team. If, if David Ross has any pages left from the Joe Manon managerial book, then I like that. I like. Yeah, that. and what about Jeff Samarja? That's another suggestion. 
Well, he wasn't part of the championship. No, he wasn't. Team, no. But it was. But it was still. But he was still part of. You know, in, in recent times, when you start looking at, because the Cubs have done this before. They've done it with with uh, Garden Rand with your Garden Variety Russell. They've done it with. Uh, they've done it <laughs> with um, Fergie Jenkins. Whatever they did, but the I'm, I'm looking recently, and and those names where they keep bringing them back, and it really is, it smacks of. Remember how you talked about we don't like this lovable loser stuff? Yeah. Isn't this a lovable loser's move? Doesn't that feel like what happened before where we let Greg Maddox go after he won his first Cy Young, and then he won a whole bunch more and won a World Series and won playoff games, and we brought him back after he did all that Hall of Fame stuff, and here you go. Here's Greg Maddox. I guess he, he won his 300th game with the Cubs, right? Whereas he could have won all 300 games for the Cubs. Yeah, it feels good for about. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah, it feels good for about 48 hours, and it does. It does work. It does work. But yeah, I don't think that this brand of Cubs fans, to their credit, is going to to fall for that unless Jake Arrieta is good. Like if if they do allow fans at Wrigley Field, every time Jake Arrieta makes an appearance, whether he's just doing a bullpen or warming up, he's going to get cheered. I mean, he he was great with the Cubs. He's associated with greatness, so he will always be appreciated. But if he goes out there and gives up five runs in the second inning, puts up a crooked number, then the fans at Wrigley are not going to be as kind as they once were to Jake Arrieta. Do I think that this move was actually a publicity stunt? No, I don't. I don't because because there's not going to be fans, right? until maybe August. So if if there were going to be fans in the stands and there was some reason you needed to attract fans to come to the ballpark every fifth day, then I would think that maybe it would have something to do with the feel-goodness. But I really... I really don't think so. That's why I do think that this is just another guy. This is just a name that people know as opposed to Cole Stewart, you know, or Trevor <laughs> Williams or Shelby Miller. And he's probably better than those with, guys. All these guys with two last names. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. The... So he just kind of goes into the pile, and he's probably a notch better than those guys. This is just a guy that not only Cubs fans know, but they know really well. So on the overall, if this was a normal season, pandemic-free, then I'd prob- then I might say, and if the Cubs had been just god-awful the last few years, which they haven't been, they've, they've been fine, then I would say, okay, they're doing what they got to do. They know they stink. So it, it's not like a Bulls thing where they, they brought back Dwayne Wade and tried to do that whole thing with Jimmy Butler. Like that, that felt more like, straight up blatant let's get somebody everybody knows and try it this way and then then this does i don't i don't think it's that do you you think it's like the, i, I the don't feel good i don't i don't i don't know that it's to, i don't think it's totally pandering but i do think that's part of it and okay it, and and i do think that it's it's a feel good a feel good moment um they they i want to believe that they could look at video of Jake Arrieta and that he would have the trust in this organization and listen to whatever they want to suggest, whatever corrections they have. I mean, Jake's, Jake's a guy who's always been in great shape, but he's never, he has not finished either of the last two seasons. He's been hurt. He finished on the DL. He just did not, was not able to stay healthy. That's a problem. That's what are you getting there? How are you going to, how are you going to, get through a season that you believe is some kind of competitive season. I mean, we're looking at, are they gaslighting us? I, 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 who's, which, is, which organization in Chicago is gaslighting you more, the Bears or the Cubs? Well, ooh. The Cubs talk about competitive, and the Bears are saying, did we, you know, Ted Phillips, which is just a blithering idiot. Did we get the quarterback position exactly right? No. I mean, they're, they're treating their fans for stupid. That's the way he comes off. And they're bringing back the same guys who brought you this miserable play at the most important position in sports, arguably. And they're telling you, we we can do this, we can win, we're going to collaborate. So there's a sense of gaslighting with the Bears. A sense of gaslighting with the Cubs. They talked about competing for the division, not for World Series anymore. And I thought that was the barometer after what happened in 2016, actually after what when Theo got here. Which one's gaslighting us more, Mark? Yeah, probably the Cubs. I mean, like, because... <laughs> because they're not, you... like... Well, because they're not... They're... 
they won't say that they're rebuilding and they're just like all their moves are so confusing and a little bit inconsistent and it just makes mm. you shake your head and they haven't even done like the biggest move hasn't even occurred yet and that is chris bryant and what becomes of him is he on this roster when the season starts is he gone by the trade deadline i when i think about the cubs and i'm jotting the thoughts down it's they've talked about him being gone so much that i don't even really think about him as a part of the future of the cubs i don't think about chris bryant grounding grounders at at third base or in right field or whatever outfield position they might have him in so it's a state of confusion and for, for the first time in a while, a lack of transparency in at least saying the words that, you know, we, this we're taking a year off, and I think that Cubs fans could probably probably handle it. Um, so, so I don't know. And the, t- the text says here, sorry, Grody, you're wrong. This is a, this is a Cub fan's stupid move. So I don't know. Is that texture saying Cubs fans are stupid? See that? I I don't. I think that there was a time when Cubs fans fell for everything that feel good <laughs> stuff worked. Really? I mean, seriously, I was probably part of that brigade as I was growing up. There were a lot of things that were fun about the Cubs, even when they weren't winning. But now, now the Cubs fans have had a taste, and the taste was. You know, the two golden years, if you want to talk about that, the golden years of Cubs baseball were 15 and 16. Those were the years. 15 was a blast until the Mets, and then 16 was coast to coast. So now that they have that taste, there is greed, and greed is good, and I hope that Cubs – I actually trust I actually trust that Cubs fans will, com, will, will continue to comport themselves in that way. I love it. I love that Cubs fans are pissed off when they don't make it to the World Series now and that they're greedy for more. It's awesome because Cubs fans were always weak. And again, I was part of it, so I feel like I could say that. Yeah, but you know who else is part of it? And maybe maybe you added some myths. I did not expect this, but that really leads to the idea of of Tom Ricketts was just as much potentially because he was in that era where you said Cub fans fell for everything. Yes, he, he was. He sold his dad on giving the money. The dad, they, they finish last every year and they sell every seat. And Joe Ricketts says, in between Islamic Islamophobic emails, Joe Ricketts says, well, now you got my attention. That's a business. And Tom Ricketts was there when he was, if what you say is true, Cub fans would buy everything. And they bought a lot, that's for sure, because they bought a lot of tickets then maybe he thinks, hey, it worked on me. Maybe it'll work on them during this time. We say we're going to compete. Because remember, in November, he famously said, "Nobody's tear- I don't think anybody's tearing anything down. And and yep. then they let go the, the guy who should have won the Cy Young. And they bring back. So they at one point in time, they signed Darvish instead of Arietta, And now they're bringing back Arietta after they lost Darvish. And this would be... This would be a move somebody shaped by the Cubs in the 90s, Cub fans buying everything, would, would think, hey, maybe this will work. It worked on me. Two that's things. Funny. Two things. So yeah. I'm glad you brought up Darvish because really that's the answer. Like the, the fact that they traded a guy who could have been, as you said, maybe should have been the Cy Young Award winner last year and what considering what they got back for Darvish or didn't get back for you, Darvish, that's the direction, right? That that's it. You gave up a ace starting pitcher. When organizations do that, that tells you everything. So maybe I should just stay at that point. And the other thing I wanted to say was 2016. Ready, Jake Arrieta. This is we're bringing it back to love for Jake Arrieta. Okay, <laughs> I'm all for this. So, I'm all for his 2015 and 16. Here, here's a feel-good moment, right? So I can't remember. I think it was in San Diego. No, it wasn't San Diego because we wouldn't have been on a bus because the hotel was literally, literally attached to the stadium. Oh, that was so cool. Let's just uh, make up a city. It was Pittsburgh. And <laughs> I was, I'm on the bus, on the team bus with uh, you know, a few players and, and Len Casper, and we had some time. So I go, hey, Len, I'm going to go over to Starbucks and get a bunch of food and coffee and stuff. Do you want something? I ask a couple more people, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I make a run. I go to Starbucks, and I get all this stuff. And the, the barista says, she goes, it's all taken care of. It's all paid for. I look back, about seven people in line. There's Jake Arietta, and he just winks at me. 
And I said, thanks, man. It's Jake Arietta buying me Starbucks. Just a so feel-good the, moment. Yep. Wow. The two of you yeah. guys, you know, that was post Cy Young for the two of you. There was there was a moment. You guys had a there moment. There was a moment. Go. Did you save yeah. the cup? Did you save the yeah. cup? Uh, I, I did have, not save the cup. I have him I did sign not. the cup. Have yeah. No, no, I wasn't that, you know, I, I, I wasn't that weird. So I just I just kind of winked back at him and said, thank you, thumbs up. And, uh, you know, I told Len Casper he owes Jake Arrieta. And that was that. So. You know what? It really it, it, there should be a show called Starbucks Starstruck, because that's where Theo Epstein was first spotted. Remember that? Oh, that's right. That's right. Yep, right. And then you got this. And I remember Len Casper telling, I want to say it was in a Starbucks, telling me a story about Jake Arrieta. And he ran into him at a Starbucks, and what he came away with was Arietta saying he's going to throw another no-hitter. And I, he may have done it like 20 minutes later or a week later. And it was just, <laughs> it was something like that. Len has a story, and a, a man just of the confidence he reeks. And that may, that may play out. But there's a really, when, if the Cubs are banking on that, the problem is you have to go out and do it. You can't be Jake Arrieta, all the swagger, all the guys are going to follow me because right. of what I did in 2016. That's five years ago. Yeah, and, ain't working. And you have to do it. I remember talking to a hockey executive that your best player has to be your leader. Your leader has to be your best player. Because if your leader is not your best player, and, and he made it a hockey, a hockey analogy, he said, a guy stands up. And somebody else sitting down the row says, I got 30 goals, you got four. Sit down and shut up. And that's, <laughs> that's and it's, there's a truth in that. It's what yeah. you do. And, and it's more than pitching hurt, it's pitching, pitching well. And that's what, all right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. I guess I should tell you what we're going to do today. Should I do that, Mark? Should I say, it's not really a surprise. No, I like how we've had the cold opening here. This has been great. Live from New York, it's Rosenblum yeah, and it's Grody. Saturday and now suckage. here's the cast. Yeah. Right. Awesome. So we have Jamal Collier, covers the Bulls for the Tribune. We'll be here. And the rocket's red You put one thing, you're out of this game. Now I run a clean game here. I have any trouble, I'll suspend you. I'm looking at That's from Slapshot. That is um, <laughs> listening to the bleeping song. <laughs> that is because the um, Jamal and Deontay Prince of the Tribune had a real talk, and, and it came up with the anthem was. You know, people in Dallas didn't know it wasn't being played for 13 games. Hey, there's no anthem. And then when the NBA found out, yeah, you're going to play it. And so there's that. And um, the Bulls played last night. They they got pants. They showed you what they're, they're the JV team in the NBA. And they showed you what a varsity team looks like. So we'll talk to Jamal Collier about that. And because of what the national anthem has become, we will talk to the man who pretty much invented perfected is at the center of what the national anthem is in chicago we'll talk to wayne mesmer at noon we tried to get all the waynes we could and we had stifler call wayne randazzo and he thought he got outwaned when he saw that wayne mesmer would be our guest and he tweeted it out it's like dude we called you and you don't have time but you have time to tweet you little, you little snotty little Steve Cohen employee. So man, what did I mean? Wait, 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 wait. I missed the tweet. So wait, Randazzler shot us down. What's the deal here, Wayne? Yeah, he shot what us happened? down. He doesn't have time for us. He big times us, but he's got time to tweet snark. And and I just said, well, yeah, you got apparently you got a whole bunch of Wayne Anoya that you've been replaced, but you were asked, and we could still make time for you to talk about the Chris Bryant rumors and. And Steve Cohen walking around Major League Baseball, <laughs> he looks like, got it, need it, want it, want it, we'll buy it, got it, want it, and he's just <laughs> buying everything, anyways. Okay. So, All right, Wayne. See how he that's, is. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Yeah. 
he used to like being on the score, but now he's just big time in us. He's he's all sort of got that snotty New York attitude, which I guess is redundant. Yeah. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back, and I don't know. We'll just we'll come back. As long as nobody important listen to this show, we'll get to do the next segment. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. Saturday Suckage, of course. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I don't think anybody's tearing anything down. Well, that gets back to the question. Which, which team is gaslighting its fans more? The Cubs? That was Tom Ricketts chairman of the Cubs and uh, or the Bears with Ted Phillips saying did we get the quarterback position exactly right no exactly we do think the foundation is in place yeah okay there you go so (laughs) I'm Steve Rosenblum he's Mark Grody and nothing says Saturday suckage more than figuring out whether the Cubs or Bears are gaslighting their fans more I don't I don't know Mark you say the Cubs and yet, they have, you think it's the Cubs because this might be their biggest move? Although I think you're right, they're going to, if, they, if it comes down to trading Bryant, if they keep Bryant, then don't they have to trade somebody to get a, a real number two pitcher? Do you think Kyle Hendricks followed by Zach Davies, who is Kyle Hendricks light, is that the way you lead off a, a rotation? But that's where they are, right? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's such a great question. That's what I've been saying. Like, they're, it's, it's just not. There's just nothing, you know. It's Hendricks, and I, who doesn't like the development of Alec Mills? It's been fun. The guy threw a no hitter. It's going to be the most forgettable no hitter in in Cubs history, because it was just. <laughs> I mean, even if you watch the broadcast of that game, it wasn't really. It was like, oh my god, this guy's throwing a no hitter, and nobody really knows how he's doing it. So, I don't know, maybe maybe Mills, maybe there is more development in him. But, yeah, it's Hendricks, and then what else? And that's the way you have to look at their starting staff until further no, until there is a number two or a guy that you know for sure of consequence. We're going to say that a lot. Yeah. Then you can't 
you can't really look at the Cubs to do anything legitimate this year. Like I said, I love the Jake Arrieta story is terrific, and it's going to be great for 48 hours. I might even tell more Jake Arrieta stories to warm everybody's hearts, but I also know that Arrieta's a four or five. They do or they don't. People want to hear that now. Do you have a Do you have a handy Jake Arrieta story? Um. Well, tell tell us about the time you both did Pilates. Yeah. Well, actually, the the best part about Jake Arrieta. This is pre clubhouse when they you know redid the whole clubhouse and it became you know this beautiful workout facility and everything before then we used to all assemble in this dreary bad basement of a press room i'm sure you've been in there steve many times you remember mm-hmm. right you know i'm talking yeah, about yeah, that yeah, basement the, like, cave. the cave the cave that where we would where the cubs would conduct all their press conferences and literally you know, pipes ahead of you, there would be dripping occasionally. It was dreary. It smelled like your basement or your shed. It was that bad. And this is not hyperbole. I am not exaggerating. But for some reason, Jake Arietta moved his Pilates machine into that room, probably because there wasn't enough space to put it anywhere else because the facilities at Wrigley Field sucked until they didn't. And we, we would be conducting our pre-game pressers with Joe Madden or whomever was the manager and well Joe Madden and Jake Arietta would literally be working out on a Pilates machine during the press conferences <laughs> like it was like hey guys don't mind me and yeah okay we won't mind you as long as you don't mind us because we're conducting a press conference, and you know what? We might even be asking about you, which is really awkward. Hey, what happened to Jake Arrieta in the sixth inning? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that that was another great Jake Arrieta moment. Um, other hearing, than him hearing those Starbucks. stories about him working on doing Pilates always reminded me of that Super Bowl ad, Terry Tate, office linebacker. Because Jake was so cut, and it's yeah. just like, okay, he's gonna be, he's gonna be the ace, and he's gonna go out there, he's gonna take the ball and go nine innings in a playoff game, and he's gonna be the bouncer. So just watch what you ask. <laughs> right. That's, I love these that the idea that he's doing Pilates here. <laughs> right, but these are the stories you're supposed to tell after the guy retires, and and they're right, well, he and did. they're coming back to Wrigley Field. Yeah. So unfortunately, the the realism now is that Arietta, I. I Again, I don't know if it's truly of consequence. You say it is because it's $6 million. But when I say of consequence, it has to be at mm-hmm. least a the guy that you put as your one, two, or three starter. I don't think that that's what Arietta is at this point, at least not now. No, no, I agree. Um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, the Bulls got ruined in the second half by a team that plays in the adult league. I don't know why the Bulls think they can play in the adult league, but I guess you have to you have to get kicked like that to learn how to get a uh, some respect in the adult league. We'll talk to Jamal Collier, who covers the Bulls for the Tribune, about the Bulls after this. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Archie Diacono in front for three. No. Rebound Felicio. Ball game over. And the Bulls fall to the Clips and drop the season series to zip. Final 125-106 LAC. Highlight courtesy of us, the less than enthused and understandably so Chuck Swirsky talking about the Bulls lost to the Clippers last night, 125-106. The Bulls got ruined in the second half. It was They kept it close in the first half. Then they found out they were playing a team in an adult league and the Bulls do not belong in the adult league. And here's how much you should know about they don't, what adults do and what JV teams like the Bulls do. Kawhi Leonard limped off the court early on, and between the time that he limped off and limped back on, the best player on the court, Kawhi Leonard, was not on the court, and the Clippers ran off 12 straight points. (laughs) So there's your varsity. Even the backups on the varsity know how to play better than the starters on the JV Bulls. So let's, that's my view. Let's see, as we go to the um, Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park on North Avenue, uh, or at alpamonteford.com, here's Jamal Collier of the Tribune talking about the Bulls. 
So what did you make of last night's experience with the Bulls and the Clippers, Jamal? Yeah, I had to write a story about it, and the only thing that I had was, yeah, the Clippers are better than the Bulls. I don't think that we really needed <laughs> last night. But, you know, as, as you said at Kawhi, um, when he limped back onto the court, was able to pretty much just do whatever he wanted. Um, you know, the Bulls kind of gave the bulky L.A. teams a run for their money uh, that first kind of go-around. I think that's when you first started kind of feeling encouraged if, if you have been about this team. And I think the, the next two times playing the, the L.A. teams, when they kind of just got smacked, uh, kind of put them, put them back to remind you, like, okay, there is a very clear gap here between where the Bulls are and where the, the top teams in the league are. Yeah, and I think Stacey King said something really poignant during the broadcast last night. He said that the Clippers took the Bulls seriously, and that is yeah. that is so true because sometimes great teams aren't going to do that to a kind of unknown team like the Bulls. But, Jamal, I, I think that this is one of those games, too. And I, I love watching the development of Patrick Williams, and I keep everything in context. But this was kind of the, for him, you know, maybe symbolic of the Bulls ain't there yet because he had a rough night, didn't he? I mean, it was like his offense was inconsequential last night because of who he was guarding. Yeah, and you know, I think that that is, you know, ultimately when you have to spend so much energy on one end of the floor, kind of chasing around Kawhi, and he wasn't very successful uh, that time either trying to defend Kawhi. But, uh, yeah, it was just sort of, uh, especially the last couple of games with you know, Mark in and out and in Otto out and some of the scoring out, he had kind of sort of picked up his offense um, and was kind of curious there. And you're right, he just was sort of a non-factor on that side of the floor. Uh, one thing I thought that was interesting that he said after the game that, uh, that was a little bit bizarre at first, but, uh, you know, he sort of swore by it is that he said, you know, he, obviously players watch film after games and sort of break down opponents. And he's been admittedly a huge Kawhi Leonard fan. Um, but he says, you know, games against elite players like this, LeBron, Giannis, you know, he watches that film. He says sometimes they're 10 to 20 times. Uh, we kind of clarified and said, wait, did you, you mean actually 10 to 20 times? And he yeah. did. Um, which I'm sort of still very fascinated by and curious exactly how that works, you know, how that breakdown goes, because it seems a little excessive. But, uh, you know, I think that that is a kid who wants to grow, wants to figure out and learn from it. Uh, but you're right, 20-some games into his career, uh, just, you know, this is not going to be there against, against one of the best players in the world. Our guest is Jamal Collier. He covers the Bulls for the Chicago Tribune. We're talking Bulls here on The Score. In sticking with... Patrick Williams, he shot one of five, three points, 35 minutes. And this quote from your piece today, Jamal, we knew Kawhi was going to come out more aggressive, and he did, picking his spots, where to shoot, a lot of down screens, cross screens for him, a lot of ball screens. We knew that was coming. I think I could have done better energy defensively, just making it tough on him. He was a little bit too comfortable out there. That's on me. So when you talk about 20 games... Has he hit a rookie wall because that's part of a college season? Or you know am what? I'm reading that quote. Um, yeah, I think I think just he was saying I think a little bit that he thought he could have defended Kawhi better and, and, and maybe just disrupted him a little bit more. You know, I thought maybe about a week or two ago. Um, I can't remember exactly what his scoring totals were. We kind of had the first couple of quiet games from I think Billy played him maybe for only like ten minutes in one of those games. Uh, you know, maybe late last month. And I, and I kind of thought that you started to see signs that everything, and then Billy actually said this as well, that it, things were just maybe overwhelming was the word that Billy uh, used. But I just think that everything had been so hard so fast. I mean, you think about it, the draft was November, I think like 18th. So we're still talking about two months, you know, two uh-huh. or three months here uh, since, the, since the Bulls actually selected this guy um, who, once again, didn't start in college. So I, I think that just everything – on top of each other, and, and the NBA is so different. The schedule uh, compared to, say, college, um, where you're playing once, a, once or twice a week or, or whatever, and now they, these guys are basically every other day, um, sort of the way that the, the NBA schedule is sort of broken up lately. Um, you know, so I, I thought that he was hitting a, a bit of a rookie wall. I think he sort of rebounded a little bit nicely the last week. Um, I, I would say last night was a little bit more about the opponent and about Kawhi sort of, I think also having a game of experience against Patrick Williams was able to sort of adjust and, and get to his spots. And we just a little bit was more aggressive overall with Paul George not in the game um, to sort of take over scoring. So I, I would say last night a little bit more uh, I would tilt toward the opponent being the reason for it um, as opposed to the rookie wall. But that's something I'm going to be watching because you're right. He is getting right up to that uh, that kind of max college games. And these games are coming fast and furious. Uh, they got four games next week as well.
let's keep going with the the slump cliches because there's a rookie wall and then there yes. had been with Kobe White a sophomore slump but the last two games you know he had 30 in the game previous to last night and then last night Kobe White 17 but there was an authority about him with that that one drive and the one-hand dunk, which was his first dunk of the season. We saw him drive yeah. more. He's played with a better freedom in the last two games. I don't know if that continues because I think he's been a confused player throughout this year. What have you thought about Kobe White this year and in particular the last two games? Has he been freed up? Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm also, I've also thought Kobe's been a very confused player, and I think this is kind of what we're going to get this year from him. I, I sort of expected, you know, as the Bulls are sort of putting him, just going to be baptism by fire a little bit. Like, he's going to be put in spots that he just isn't comfortable in, hasn't done, and I think there's going to be stretches, times where he's going to look pretty bad at it, as we've seen, and there's going to be times where when he sort of finds his grooves and, and, and gets into a, a spot where you're going to sort of see the flashes that um, you know, remind you why he was such a high draft pick. I, you know, I, I think the last two days they've moved him off the ball a little bit, a little bit more. Um, I think that Sato's play, um, as he's gotten back from the virus absence and, and getting back in there, I think Sato had 17 and seven off the bench as well last night. Um, you know, I think that that's going to help uh, as far as just having another distributor on the floor. Obviously, as Zach continues to become more comfortable with playmaking, um, you know, I, I don't think I've seen anything with Kobe the last two games that has sort of for me indicated that he's turned some huge corner because I think I also remember the other 15 games. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind that. (laughs) But, you know, I I think that he is a streaky player. I think that's one thing last year, a streaky shooter. And I think that as you see when his shot is falling and everything else is sort of clicking, you all of a sudden sort of get a chance to see the more complete player. And when, you know, maybe those first couple of threes or a couple of shots don't hit, I think that's when, for, for whatever reason, I think that everything else sort of starts to fall apart, and he sort of gets lost a little bit on the floor. So, you know, I think I'm going to be we're going to be riding a Kobe White wave uh, pretty much all season. And I think that at the end of it, the Bulls at least are going to hope that you got more good than bad there. Well, our guest is Jamal Crawford. Uh, Jamal Crawford. Oh, yeah, they can use him. <laughs> Jamal Collier. I, say, no, I, I got some minutes off the bench if you guys need me. That's right. Yeah. Well, and that's what Kobe – hey, Kobe White could become the next Jamal Crawford. Who knows? <laughs> he doesn't want to be a six man. He doesn't want to be known oh. for having the most most bench points. So the, yeah. the way Billy Donovan started this was he, he approached it. I, I got a whole bunch of different um, exhibition lineups. I don't know who these guys are. I want to find yeah. out, but also gave them a chance to show the coach who they were. And that has proceeded, I think, and there have been some lineup changes, some forced by injury. What do you think of Billy Donovan's coaching and what is going on now? What are his, what have you, 20 games in, what are, what are his strengths? What are the differences? Why, why can we expect him to coach this, to, to make them better through his coaching? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think that right now the, the lineups, again, are a little bit limited, I think, just because of the, the sort of injuries in the front court. And now you kind of just got to have some combinations where, like, you know, Den- it, was, it was Felicio and Denzel or so were on the court. And I'm just like, oh, no, I've had a flashback <laughs> last year um, with a bunch of Luke Cornette minutes. Um, which, you know, I, I think that what I like about what Billy has done is he's not been afraid, like you said, to experiment with different lineups, different combinations. I think he's went small, small, a lot more often. Um, and, you know, just the way the offense is, is clicking, I think is an indication of, you know, the team was, was the last two years have been one of the top five worst. The like last year they were second to last in the NBA, um, top five worst offense. And basically he's just sort of organized the pieces, played that at center more, um, and, you know, all of a sudden, they're, I think they've been in the, the top half of the league for most of them, and we're up to 11th at one point. Um, so I think that those are things that I think are encouraging. Um, if you're looking at what, what for Billy, I think he's uh, going to let these young players sort of live through, you know, the starting lineup I think has been one for me that um, I have not loved having the starting lineup being as young as it is, and it's you know been very bad and, and, and you know, being outscored virtually every game and kind of mm-hmm. hurting the Bulls early on um, before guys got hurt. You know, but I think that that's part of it. Is they're going to try to balance winning with kind of letting these guys – figure it out as they go along. And I think that that is, um, as you kind of pointed out, like, you know, he's, he's sort of letting these guys still 
So get you know get into get into rhythms, figure out where they're comfortable, figure out what things that you know they may not be able to do, or things they're going to have to sort of push and be able to do um, for this team to win in the next couple of years. So you know this year for me, um, when I look at the Bulls, I've, I've always I've been saying it that it's kind of a year you got to figure some stuff out. I think when you had the last year in change that you. Um, sort of threw away with the coach that you had uh, and, and sort of the way the operation was. I mean, you've got to figure out which of these young guys are going to be able to play, which of these young guys are going to be able to stick around. So for your next good team that you think is going to be playoff competitive and not just kind of competing for the outside of the play-in tournament, um, you got to figure out which one of these guys are going to be able to stick around for that. Do you think Arturis Karnaschovas knows yet? Do you think, based on what you've heard from him, seen on the floor, because mm-hmm. you know there's got to be collaboration going on, do you think he knows who he wants and who he doesn't want on this roster yet? That's a really good question. Um, I, I would say that I haven't gotten a great sense of that. Um, I would I would say they have an idea, and I think that they, they know. I think they have an idea maybe of, of, of sort of who that they who they like and who they rank at or a little bit higher. Like I, I would um, – you know, it, it also feels like all of these guys, it, it, you know, are not on a, a – I think somebody asked me recently in a, a mailbag on the Tribune, you know, which three players would you bet would be around for in the next in three years from now? It's a great question. It was the hardest question I heard in a while because I, I was like, I think I would take the field. I would take, you know, Patrick. He's under contract wow. from there. Other than that, I think I said Devin Dotson because uh, of cop-out. And uh, <laughs> who? I don't remember who my other guy – I took Devin Dotson, the two-way player. I figured, you know, maybe he'll get a backup point guard spot at some point and uh i don't remember who my third one even was i may have thrown that's so hard a that's a great question, but yeah. man. It, but, wow but that's that's kind of the point here is i i can i do think that they that you know they're gonna let it play out and and anybody at, at any point at any point but anybody here over the next course of the year between now and next trade deadline um i, I don't have a lot of confidence in any of these guys <laughs> honestly that they're for sure going to be on the team probably outside of the guy they just drafted all right, I think Jake Arietta will, because that's the way the comes from. <laughs> Jamal, well, thank you for your time. They'll bring somebody back. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, sure. It'll yeah. be Robert Parrish. All right. <laughs> we thank you for your time, Jamal. We look forward to talking to you as the season progresses. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. All right, that's Jamal thanks, Collier of the Tribune, talking about the Bulls. We're going to take a break. We didn't get to talk to him about the National Anthem, but we'll talk to <clears throat> because the National Anthem came up in a controversial way. Yet again, it has been somewhat of a a political issue, and it used to be just a good time rocking and rolling. We'll talk to a man who was at the center of that organ loft when it became a thing, and we'll get his views on an anniversary that just passed of a memorable national anthem and where a simple song has turned. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. Wayne Mesmer is next. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to AtBat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.